Um, hello, everybody who decided to tune into this. Uh, my name is Kayla Norman Slack. Uh, like the article says, I'm a game developer and music composer. Um, I have worked on a variety of projects uh, while being in and out of the industry. Um, I've worked on, let's see, I've worked on Ghostlight Manor, which is a project that you can play now on Steam. I think they added multiplayer to that. So I still visit that studio uh, on occasion, and I'm friends, and I'm really good friends with them there. Let's see, there's, I've worked on Forza Motorsport 7 as a technical artist. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, and the article mentions I was at Nintendo. Yeah, I did uh, consumer service at Nintendo. That was my first job out of college. <laughs> so uh, I guess, ask me anything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. So, um, <laughs> this is going to sound super weird. So, I play guitar. Uh, <laughs> I've heard of that instrument before. I can't place it, though. It's also known as a shoulder synthesizer. <laughs> ah. That's what so, I've heard before. Uh, let's see. So, I've... Instruments I've... That's, I play guitar right now. I don't play it much. Honestly, um, I don't play it much. Honestly, uh, most of my compositions have been, you know, just using a computer because that's mm -hmm. I grew up just doing that. Um, instruments I have played in the past, though, um, I've played the drums. I've I played a little bit of the piano keyboard. I used to play for my church when I was growing up, um, and I played the saxophone. I played the alto saxophone um, nice. for, like, for like two, three years. Um, the band director was kind of a was you know kind of a hard uh, I, I won't curse i'll try not to curse um the band director the band director was kind of mean though so like i kind of lost the joy in playing the saxophone so i hadn't i hadn't i put the instrument down and it's been like almost 12 years since i picked it up i've been telling myself someday someday small steps yeah baby steps for now i'm just yeah. uh, for now i'm content just um you know making music using the programs that I have. Uh, as to the second question, where do I work? Uh, so right now, I am a development support engineer at uh, eFinancial. So completely outside of the games industry, completely different company. And uh, we can get into that, actually. Cool. Um, it looks like Livio is trying to say something. OK. Yeah. Would you prefer to us to ask our questions through chat or my voice? Uh, honestly, either or. Um, whatever feels most comfortable to you. Um, I guess before we actually you know launch into it, <laughs> we kind of already have, but there are a few things that I kind of wanted to say about why um, about why I'm doing this over voice recording uh, as opposed to doing it through uh, through chat. So when I was growing up and I read a lot of AMAs and you know talked to a lot of developers, there was always this disingenuous feeling that I got when, uh, when speaking with them. Um, it felt like they didn't really care about where the student was going or how the student was going to actually progress in their career. And that makes sense because in the general industry, everybody's very busy. Um, no one really has the time to sit down and like, you know, just focus on you as a student. Um, but at the same time, the, the advice that I got when growing up, uh, it, it felt kind of bland to me. So um, 
by doing this over voice, I want to give you guys a sense of who I am as a game developer and a music composer, like as a professional, but also who I am as a person. Um, and so I guess to go a little bit into my own personal background, um, I grew up uh, I grew up in, I guess, Washington's version of the ghetto. Um, I grew up, I guess, maybe lower middle class. I was diagnosed with a disability. I have, uh, I have autism. So I was diagnosed with autism at around 13, 14. Uh, these are all important facts, by the way, because it factors a lot into how uh, I approached my career. Um, so it's called the spectrum now, but back then it was called Asperger's syndrome or Asperger's if you're in Europe. Um, but, all of this, uh, but all of this factors uh, greatly into how I ended up you know, where I am right now and how I've gone on and how I went down the path that I've gone to uh, get here. <laughs> So uh, I'll I'll reveal like little bits and I'll reveal little bits about myself as this progresses. But for now, you know, let's open up the floor. You know, um, gotcha. Well, thanks for that. That's thank you. yeah, definitely a varied, I guess, introduction. You know, <laughs> at least I guess I come from the same kind of varied aspect of coming into the industry um, than most people that I've spoken with. Everybody kind of goes the quote-unquote typical route. Yeah, they usually, um, most people that you hear about, the most desired route, I guess, is that um, you go to high school and then either one of a few choices, you go to a college, right? You go to a college, you know, typically people try to get into DigiPen. I tried twice, but I could not get into DigiPen. Um, I got rejected like twice. That was it was it was horrible. Um, or you go for a computer science degree, um, and then just try to work game development into it on the side. Um, I went for a design degree, which you know was basically useless. So I, because I've been making games on the side for a while, you know, like trying to make games and release stuff, like uh, it became a lot easier to just work my to work the skills that I learned from my degree into the industry. So, who's first? <laughs> Ask me anything. Okay, well, I guess my first question is, um, because again, I think uh, just from your introduction, uh, we were kindred spirits of sorts. Um, as someone who didn't have a typical, I guess, your atypical route into the industry, um, you know, someone who's still relatively new, like, I guess, to, to add, some background. Uh, I went to uh, the Citadel. I'm not sure if many people heard of it. It's a military college. You know, I did that whole route, served two years, and but my degree was in international criminal justice, completely far and away uh, from game design. How I got to uh, where I'm at now and wanting to pursue that particular type of career is, uh, you know, I realized I prefer that more than what I had studied. Anyway, fast forward. So I guess my, my question, sorry for the long tangent, um, <laughs> is how would, I guess you would advise someone coming from kind of an unrelated background to progress further kind of with an unorthodox skill set, so to speak? Well, industry? like uh, there's, I actually remember asking that question um, a long time ago when I was in college. I say a long time ago, but I've graduated like what, three years ago? 
Damn, back, in the, feel, back in the fall of year of 2015. I feel <laughs> old now. I'm so I'm so old. Um, but I remember asking developers that question back in like uh, 2014, 2015. The one thing that they would always tell me is like, um, you always have to have, you know, finished, polished products and stuff. So um, honestly, from my own experience, just being off the beaten path, I'd say just simply start making stuff. Um, and what's odd is like, it's awesome if you finish something and release it on the market, that makes you like way more, I guess, legitimate in the eye of a potential employer. Says, he knows how to release things, right? But I think simply the act of just doing things, uh, actively engaging with, you know, the career that you're trying to get into, uh, can go a long way. Um, I guess for, I guess for example, like um, when I was in college, I would I would try to make a lot of different prototypes inside. Um, that, this was when I was just getting into Unity 3D. So I would make a ton of prototypes on the side. They would all be terrible. Um, I was going through like a, a I was going through like heavy bouts of depression at the time. So like they all sucked. Um, and like they were they were really like low quality. Um, it, it was like it was like uh, high school projects that you wouldn't feel comfortable releasing on the market. But I was making them. Um, and to even go even further back with my with my music, I began making music when I was like you know 13, 14 years old. So like the first things I did was made you know really terrible MIDI songs that repeated over and over again. It was like the it was like the song that never ends times twenty, you know. <laughs> but like they were really terrible. But I just kept actively engaging with it, and then um, really from there, it's persistence. Um, one of the things that I do want to hammer in is that trying to be the top game developer is sort of overrated. Um, for me personally, it's about survival. It's about, are you able to wake up in the morning and eat breakfast? Are you able to you know, drive your car to work? Are you able to pay your bills and live comfortably? Are you able to be happy with career and you know, your home life? Um, oh, sorry, my voice connection may have gone down. Okay, there we go. So, um, I feel like I could ramble on forever, but I want to. I want to make sure everybody gets questions in. Mm -hmm. I hope that answered your uh, your question. Oh yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. Hey, hello. Just wanted to say hi. Hey. <laughs> uh, I posted in the in the Ask Me Anything channel. I'm just a little late. Uh, but yeah, your your answer was really good. Uh, so oh, thank you. Talk. Yeah, one of the things I also wanted to, um, I guess, harp, I, not harp on, tell you is that you guys are going to get open and honest answers from me. Um, I, the one thing that I don't really like doing that I've had, that I've been exposed to a lot is uh, what I tend to call scare tactics. And it's sort of this, uh, forgive my turn of phrase, but it's to sort of give you this oh shit moment, you know, sort of jolt you back into reality, like that. I guess that can be informative in a way, but it also has a huge chance of, I guess, um, of disconnecting you from what you actually want to do uh, or, or why you want to be in the career in the first place. Um, the example that I can think of in particular is that uh, one time I had went to Valve for an informational interview. Uh, this was 2014. And I had began asking the traditional questions like, hey, you know, what do you do? What's your real name? Like, how do you, I basically what you guys are asking me. And somehow it devolved into a tirade about how Valve doesn't care about Half-Life 3. 
and how I was just like a whiny fanboy. Basically, he had reduced me to like a D student in high school, um, and I was pretty livid. So I, so I just want to say that, uh, and actually express that I, I don't intend to do that. Like, I'm not going to do that to you. You guys are going to get an open, honest answer from me that's just going to be like we're chatting, sitting at a table. <laughs> that's really interesting. That was way too long. Um, oh, okay, question. Brandon Anderson, what kind of software do you use for creating your music? I use FL Studio. I've been using FL Studio since 2011, I think. It was like FL7. Um, but that's what I use. Um, a lot of, you'll hear a lot of people talk about using Logic or Cubase or uh, what's the other one? Pro Tools. Uh, Ableton. Ableton and Pro Tools, yeah. Um, with the music industry, it's very, very different from the games industry. And actually, I would argue it's a it's way harder to make it in the music industry than the games industry. Because even if you're new, you're competing with Kanye West and Britney Spears and Michael Jackson. Like <laughs> you're 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 legitimately competing with them for audience attention, as opposed to competing with you know some guy who's famous in a minor industry. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Those names will stick no matter what. Yeah. So you're, I mean, I guess to bring it to the modern times, you're competing with like Martin Garrix and uh, you're competing with Martin Garrix and like, uh, I don't know, Skrillex and all these big brands. Anyhow, um, every, every soft, uh, the musical software, which are called uh, DAWs, digital audio workstations, they all do the same thing. But uh, the only difference between them mainly is just their interfaces. So for me personally, I prefer using FL Studio because it's extremely easy to get into. It's extremely easy to use. There's tons of tutorials on it. Um, and also, like, it makes awesome stuff. <laughs> Hope that answers your question, uh, Brandon. Oh, my goodness. Where do I begin? <laughs> So when I was working in an internship at college, um, working on Ghostlight Manor, um, if you guys actually listen to some of the commercials, uh, some of the, I guess, little commercials things that they did, or if you actually buy the game and play it, um, most of the music you hear is mine. And most of the sound you hear, I also had a huge hand in. Um, so, as far as like sound design and like, well, actually, let me ask you this. Let me, can you please define the question? Um, do you mean like yeah. sound design and uh, and like actually putting the sounds in the game, or just like the difference between sound and music? Well, I guess I meant to say there's like three parts of that. Um, how much do you, how much do you compose, and how much do you do like creating sound effects and the ambience for the game as well, and do you also implement them as well? Um, yourself or do you just kind of give it off to the programmer uh quite honestly that depends on how the programmer wants me to interact with it so like right now um right now i'm doing a sort of an unofficial contract because it's just a friend i'm just helping a friend and he's like hey i'll pay you and i'm like sure okay yeah sure okay if that makes you <laughs> so um i'm making sounds for uh i'm making sounds for him I'm making sounds and the uh, the actual soundtrack, and I'm uh, writing the scripts that give him the uh, that give him you know the ease of just you know saying play sound and it'll play. So that's as far as I go implementation wise, and then literally when I'm done with that, I just hand it to him. So it honestly depends on 
like how the programmer wants me to interact with their project. Cool. Uh, one more question I had is you also program. And um, so you, I'm assuming you're doing most of your programming on Unity now because you said you were doing Unity before. You are correct, sir. <laughs> um, as a person who wants to majorly focus on audio, how, how, do, how much, um, how beneficial would it be to learn like C Sharp, Unity, and also like other aspects of like, let's say like art? Um, extremely beneficial. It's extremely too. beneficial. And here's why. Mm -hmm. um, having an active interest in other areas outside of your career, especially if it relates to like learning an engine, uh, gives you, gives you um, a better way to say it. Say it. It allows you to talk to your coworkers. So, um, so I'm interested in being I've always wanted to be a game designer ever since I was a kid. But I took drawing classes, I took programming classes, I took music classes. And taking all of these different classes gave me the ability to communicate with, uh, with other people and other in those chosen professions. So if an artist told me, you know, hey, what do you think of this drawing? Instead of saying, oh, it looks good, I could say, oh, hey, you might want to try blending the, uh, you might want to try blending, you know, the darks over here. You might want to try emphasizing the shadows a little bit. Um, and because of that, we can have that meaningful dialogue. So as an audio person, something, uh, something which is also extremely valuable in the industry, being able to program will make you somewhat of a unicorn. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely did. Um, sorry, to, like, to branch out from that, so if you have the skills to design games, write music, do the arts, possibly, and program as well. Um, you pretty much have like all the basic elements to be able to create like a basic, simple game. Um, do you think having like finished games made just by yourself is like another strong portfolio um, tool? It depends on the scope of the project and the intent of the project, honestly. Um, it used to be that you could just write uh, or you could just like, you know, participate in game jams, which is a really good way to get experience and then just use those games as portfolio pieces. But now it seems the industry has shifted towards more uh, serious projects. So it really depends on like your intent of the game, um, like how detailed and how crafted stuff is. Uh, I see. And yada, yada. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the uh, requirements are increasing as, I guess, popularity for being in industry has exploded over the last, I'd say, what, five years now? Right, which is which is unfortunate. Um, I mean, I'm glad that the industry has become more popular, but um, it also makes it harder for students like you guys to actually, you know, get get a fair shake. Um, yeah. Because you have to compete with all these guys who've been in the industry for years. Um, mm. I don't. I could. I could go on a complete diatribe about that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, you trust me. You're not the only one. I, I I live I live in New York. Well, obviously, well, I live in New York, so I, I've I've. Uh, talk to like people at the NYU Game Center and stuff like that and a bunch of their professors and whatnot. And they're like, yeah, it's getting increasingly difficult. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate enough to uh, end up as a junior developer and mostly quality assurance tester for uh, Kingdom Death Monster. Mm. So that was that was my door. Uh, that was, uh, I, I don't honestly, I don't think if I had gotten that job, I, I would have still pursued it, to be honest. Hmm. All right, sweet. Let's uh let's go open the floor back up. 
Who's next? Come on, I don't bite. Do you have a dream game that you ever want to work on? A dream game that I've ever wanted to work on? Oh, my goodness. So I'm a huge fan of Fire Emblem. <laughs> so uh, this will never happen. This will never happen. Um, being the Japanese games industry is something else completely different. The best, the closest I could get is make a fan game, like, but that's it. <laughs> um, but I've been a fan of Fire Emblem since 2003, and I've always wanted to make, to work on a Fire Emblem game. So <laughs> if I make a, if I wanted to make a fan game, dream game that I've always wanted to work on, it'd be a Fire Emblem title. Fire Emblem was great back in the day, so I, I have no, uh, no uh, qualms about that. Uh, love that genre. Or rather, that series. Excuse me. Kaylin, I got a question for you. Um, as a student, how important is it to go to GDC, especially when we're about to graduate or something? So here's the thing about GDC. I've never been to GDC. Oh. So when I was in college, uh, and Livio, feel free to chime in, people around me who were in the industry touted GDC as sort of a mecca. Like if game development were a religion, like GDC is the GDC is the temple that you must go that to. That is so true. <laughs> like wow. you like you're nothing if you don't go there, right? Yeah, yeah. And I've never been able to go to GDC because well, like lower middle class and couldn't just drop two thousand dollars <laughs> because <laughs> because going to GDC is extremely expensive and people and it's who getting go to more GDC, expensive every year. Right, and it's uh, I'm of the I'm of the opinion that people who are able to go to GDC regularly tend to forget that um, that it's extremely expensive, and that uh, there are limited opportunities for students like yourselves to actually get a fair to get an all access pass or you know to get any kind of pass to GDC. So it's important, but I wouldn't exactly I I wouldn't exactly you know say that you need to go there to feel legitimate as a game developer. The, the reason why GDC is important is because it's a good, uh, it's a good breeding ground for projects and networking opportunities. Um, but other than that, as far as talks go, just watch it online. <laughs> for, uh, you briefly said like networking opportunities. So GDC, if we don't have the money to go, um, would it still be worth it to just go and snoop around the restaurants around there and just try to talk to people. Yeah, if you're I, local, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that if you're local, they'd have they throw like a ton of after parties which are also networking opportunities. But <laughs> that's if you're able to just, you know, find your, if you find yourself around there. Yeah, it's it's basically how the economics work for you. If you're a local, it's kind of much easier for you to just stop by the conference area and maybe right. find some events around town much cheaper for you to do that if you already live around there or even in that part of the state uh and but if you live really far away it might not be worth the plane you know like young hand in new york like it might not be worth it you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah uh so when i when i was a student i went to gdc twice um and it really like the main benefits that we got from it definitely weren't like jobs <laughs> Uh, GDC does have a career pavilion where you can apply to jobs and stuff, but I feel like that's only been getting smaller every year. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of put a pin in jobs because I want to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> and 
there's networking too. I've actually met people through GDC and they've turned into good contacts. Uh, but it's, uh, those contacts are maintained by going to GDC every year. <laughs> and the only reason I've been able to go to GDC every year is because I've had a high paying job and stuff. Uh, GDC is also something that I literally like my the whole year centers around it. Like I save upwards throughout the year because it's so much money. Uh, I plan, I start planning to go like six months in advance as soon as the the tickets go on sale. Oh, yeah. uh, it's it's a real endeavor. Uh, wow. The uh, one thing that when I was in school and students wanted to go to GDC, I would tell them to like basically save save up during the entire four years that you're in school, save up <laughs> to go right. if you really want to go. But right. the, the, so ma- the biggest impact that GDC had on me as a student was that it made me really excited to work in the games industry. Like when you are, especially in a geographically isolated area where there's not a local game scene there, uh, going to GDC can feel like 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 what uh, Kaylin said. It can said, actually like feel, it can feel like a mecca. It can feel like a mecca if you're like if you're from the middle of nowhere, right? But if you're from, yeah. like, I'm in Seattle. Uh, Rob is in New York. Rob Youngham is in New York. Yeah, by the way, yeah. I, I'm sorry, Rob. That's my name. <laughs> Everybody knows now. Um, but these, if you're in like a highly populated, you know, with game studios everywhere, like I am or, or like Livio is, then it's, you know, you could just, there's tons of events around the Washington area that you could go to and get the exact same yeah, feeling. On, honestly, uh, going to GDC is almost like the same motivation for, for me nowadays it's almost like the same motivation as going to like a convention like you just want to go because it's fun and maybe i don't even think of it as a business investment anymore because the returns aren't that consistent uh but it's fun i love it and i don't want to miss it (laughs) Uh, and it's really energizing like especially when i was a student like i i remember before and after I went to GDC for the first time, it's like my impression of the industry was so different. Uh, I had I I had so much. Every time I go to GDC, no matter what year it is, I always in the middle of the week have this nagging urge to just go home and work on cool stuff again. I'm like, because right. it just like really energizes you, and you're like, I want to make cool stuff with like all these other people are doing. You know, that's and, the passion. Yeah. And that can actually be really helpful because, like as we were saying earlier, the industry it, it's getting harder and harder to break into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to stay in love with the industry when it's like it, that. Going to GDC too. can really refresh you and remind you why you love making games. I'm actually uh, I'm actually lucky enough to have an opportunity because uh, one of the jobs that I had was working as a camp counselor for Girls Make Games. Um, and so, uh, because of that, I got, I get like pass to GDC, so I'm happy. Nice. But any, anyhow, I, I digress. Um, does anyone else have any questions? If not, then I can sort of go on my diatribe about jobs, <laughs> <laughs> about jobs and job hunting. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. That's, that's a really good question. I'm kind of sitting there because I, I like my current job, but my passion isn't tabletop stuff. It's more uh, programming. Like I want to be a game programmer as to whether or not it's character programming or whatnot. I haven't decided yet, but that's what I want to do. Well, that's important. Um, it also it depends on 
Well, actually, let me start from the beginning. So in my mind, there are two parts. The, the hemisphere is divided into two parts. There's mm -hmm. AAA, and there's what I call the indie sphere, <clears throat> which is basically the AAA and then everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but that's just how I divide it up. So if you're trying to go into AAA, you need to figure out exactly what type of programmer that, you need, that you're trying to be. They tend to not like people who are generalists. They tend to like people who do very specific things. So mm. if you're a character modeler, or you lint for, I don't know, The Sims or something, like you have a, bit, you have a better chance than someone who does general modeling because you're doing a very specific thing. Um, granted, in this made-up scenario, <laughs> there aren't many studios looking for lint models, but mm. um, I think you guys get the drift. Yeah. No, the more specialized you become, the easier it is, but so really, yeah, exactly. So so really like when you're when you're choosing what you want to do outside of school, um, you have to you have to choose very carefully between creativity and security. Um, if you want if you want security, I mean go AAA. Um, as secure as you know, it's as secure as you're going to get games industry wise. Um, if you want creativity, I would say go indie. You're not going to be as secure. You're, there are going to be, there are going to be you know, huge droughts and high periods, and, uh, and it's, going to be, you know, it's going to be a whirlwind or, or a roller coaster, but you're going to be extremely, you're going to have control of your own creativity. So that really depends, that comes down to what you want to do. Um, from there, from there, before I completely get lost, <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about job hunting uh, in particular. Um, because it can suck, um, especially for you guys who are students. I don't know if you guys are going to go through the same thing, but graduation was amazing, and then <laughs> um, and then like nothing. Just like imagine me standing in a desert with a tumbleweed blowing like that. Like I woke up and I was there. So <laughs> I have a lot of friends who went through that. So it's it's called post grad depression. It's gonna hit you guys and it's gonna suck, but you'll get over it. Trust me, um, it'll be it'll be amazing um, once you get over it. So for as far as job hunting goes, the the one thing I wanted to hit on was just talking with recruiters actually, um, because there's a process that I that I went through to get my job at turn 10 that I've repeated for the current job I have now that I really wanted to impart on you guys. Um, when I was in an internship, my uh, audio supervisor had told me that an interview is like a play. Um, if you don't know your script, then you're not going to, uh, you're not going to do very well. Can someone here, just, just take a guess, what, what do you guys think that means? Um. Like there are these specific questions that they're going to ask you, and you have to be prepared to answer those. Yeah, it's in the ballpark, actually. Yeah. So because I am because I am autistic and have Asperger's syndrome, I took that literally. So for every interview, I wrote a script. Um, and for every interview, I played a character. So for turn ten, and actually for this job as well, I was this extremely excitable character. I mean. I mean, don't exactly, don't fake it, you know, the entire way. <laughs> like, be true to yourself, right? But I was, these, I, I took traits of myself that were really good, and I said, okay, let's, let's play these out. So I was this really excited, uh, I was excited to learn about things, you know, I was extremely interested in the job, and, like, I really wanted the job. 
right? And um, I showed that I had experience and that I was capable of answering the questions. Um, and in writing the script, I wrote all of these points down, these things that I objectively knew, like, oh, hey, I know Unity. Hey, I'm sharp because for me, I'm not sure about the rest of you, but for me, when I'm in an interview about a script, suddenly I'm a kindergartner. Uh, I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly I know nothing. Way. And you have this big important, like, oh, hey, you know, the director of Blizzard is asking you a question. Uh, do, do you know C-sharp? Uh, I think I do. <laughs> so um, if you guys want to go that route, I would definitely say give the script writing thing a try. Um, that's if really you're like me, and, yeah, if you're like me and uh, who's extremely forgetful and who's extremely anxious uh, and nervous around, you know, large imposing figures, then yeah, uh, being able to say, oh, hey, I wrote this down on paper when I was coherent, this, I can do this thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's the strategy I've used and that's the one that's worked for me for the last two jobs. Um, and if you guys need me to write that down somewhere. Yeah, and another thing that might also help is knowing that in the industry, just in tech and games, there's a lot of discussion about improving the interview process. There because is. Because a lot of people do struggle with that. And they're like, well, maybe the process is flawed if people are struggling with it. Uh, but uh, one, for example, there's a lot of, there's like this movement to get away from whiteboard interviews, uh, right. whiteboard coding interviews. Um, like, Basically, whiteboard coding is they ask you a programming problem, that, like they set up this hypothetical problem, and you have a whiteboard and a marker, and you can draw, you can like write pseudocode on the board. And like, I, if I was to code, it would look like this. And people, yeah, it's very, it's a very flawed method. And a lot of people stress out about it. But just knowing that it's a flawed method and knowing that there's a movement out there might actually help you. Uh, not be so hard on yourself when that happens right and if you're not so hard on yourself you might actually perform better um actually yeah that's a very good point Livio. um what else did i want to say about jobs oh recruiters so when you're out of the industry or when you're out in the wild in the industry and you put your resume up most people generally put their resumes on like you know the job aggregate sites like indeed.com or i don't even know if monsters in use anymore uh, but there are like games industry specific aggregate sites too that you can put your resume on. You're going to get talked to by dozens of recruiters. Like, there's going to be tons of recruiters that call you. And they're going to be like, oh, hey, we got this opportunity with, I think, every. Hey, you, we got this opportunity with Microsoft. You know, want to come in? Want to come in for an interview? And so um, at first I was extremely excited because, oh, hey, a recruiter's talking to me, you know? And uh, I would give them my resume and then nothing. <laughs> so it took me about a year and a half. No, actually, no, I'm being, I'm, I'm, I'm being on myself. Two years. It took me two years to realize uh, what the actual interview process was. Um, and that was just from like trial and error. So when you're, when you're, this is just my advice to you guys. So when you're in the interview process, you're not trying to impress the recruiter. Um, it's, it's everyone's immediate thought that you want to impress the recruiter. You're not trying to impress them. Um, the recruiter to the recruiter, you are a checkbox on a list. It's sort of a, yep, knows this. Yep. Knows that. Yep. Knows this. All right. Send them on. 
Okay, so the person you're trying to impress is the hiring manager of the actual company that you're applying to. Right. So when, as you're writing your resumes, as you're doing, have that in the back of your mind. If you were to talk to the hiring manager, say Bungie, what would you show them? You know, that would make them go, oh, wow, we should really have this guy. Um, that's, really a, that's really all I wanted to impart as far as advice on that. <laughs> <laughs> that really makes sense. Yeah. Sorry, when I get, sorry, when I get passionate, I get extremely lightheaded. So like, I'm, <laughs> I may sound weird. Oh, that's cool, man. Passion is, is a good thing. And to answer your question, I don't know if I'd actually apply to but if I mean it, I'm just using them as an example. Obviously, if you were to apply to Nintendo, you know, Bungie, or I guess Blizzard, um, what would you show their hiring manager that would make them go, you know, this guy might actually fit in the company? <laughs> yeah, and like also while you decide what to do, like while like if you're gonna work on a side project or something, think about it in that terms as well. Like, how will this translate into something that will make people want to hire you? Exactly. So um, that can one actually of the things help. Yeah, that can actually help you make the certain decisions about your project and like steer it towards something that looks more impressive, even if it's not what you would have thought to focus on at the first. But mm -hmm. thinking about it as a career step mm -hmm. might mm -hmm. might help. I will also say that I guess the re part of the reason why I'm lightheaded is a very cathartic experience for me. <laughs> um, mm -hmm being able to actually tell you guys um all of the stuff that you need to know to get into the industry is something that i've always wanted to do because i've thought i've always thought that the process of going through trial and error is bs <laughs> um you yeah. guys shouldn't have you guys shouldn't have to try fail and go through depression you know constantly just to get your first job like that's it, it should never yeah. work like that <laughs> So yeah. this is extremely cathartic for me, being able to tell you guys all of the stuff I've learned from going through that horrid experience in hopes that you guys don't have to go through that. Yeah, that's something I learned coming out of college. Was it 2018 now? So almost 10 years ago now. Um, and something I learned, you know, you know, getting out into, not necessarily the gaming industry, but you know, the first jobs that I had coming out which which kind of was surprising because you know you get your degree and and what have you and you you know what you know but what no one ever tells you is that when you get you know and i'm pretty you know i'm pretty sure it's the same way in, in you know triple a studios when you get to your teams you should obviously you should know what you're doing but they have a very specific way on how they do things so they're going to retrain you for that right anyway so it's it actually something you should keep in mind, everyone, as you're as you're interviewing. Like they will train you, so don't expect to be like they don't expect you to be an expert. They expect you. Yeah. To, sorry to cut you off. No, 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 no. no it's perfectly fine. I mean, it's it's very true. Like you know, from no matter what industry you go into, the job is going to train you to do things their way, um, and that always kind of bothered me. Going back to to what you said about. Uh, how you you really shouldn't have to kind of beat your head against the wall to get your first job like, right that's something that i'm I'm struggling with now and reminding myself is like yeah, i'm just trying to get an entry-level fucking position right I'll, I'll sit there and do the grunt work if you want me to for eight hours a day 10 hours a day fuck it i just want that opportunity actually yeah, while we're on the while we're on the notion of jobs sorry to cut you off again no no it's fine <laughs> while we're on the notion of jobs a thought occurred to me um 
So who here has ever done QA testing, aside, aside from Livio and myself? I have. No one? OK, so um, this is going to be a strange note, because I know this is going to be listened to by a lot of people. Um, so back when Livio and I were just getting into the industry, the route, the, the route people often went was that they'd be a QA tester. And then after a certain amount of time, they'd get to be a, de uh, a developer or a designer or something. Uh, that method doesn't work anymore. Um, yeah. So that method does not work. Uh, I've seen a lot of my friends go into QA testing positions and basically languish there um, because either A, the company is not paying attention, or B, you know, uh, or B, like they're all contractors and the company doesn't take from that contractor. Mm. Yep, that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, so, I run my team, it's very small, it's personable, but there, there's really no upward mobility, you know, so yeah. The best way that I've found to get into the games industry right now is honestly just making games. Um, yeah. Which sounds like an extreme cop-out, and I hate it when people <laughs> told me that, especially older developers. But, like, we're in, we're in an age where a grandfather of two can work on Game Maker for, like, six months and come out with a game. Yeah. Yeah. So like back back when I was back when I was, you know, in community college back in like 2012, it felt like you had to know C++ and it felt like you had to shake down a developer or like threaten their family just to figure out what a design document was. <laughs> because that's how tight lipped these studios were. Like it, you didn't even have to you wouldn't even have to ask to read their design document. Just just ask, what is a design document and they just clamp up. Yeah. Um and nowadays, this information is extremely free. It's, it's free, it's, it's free-flowing, it's everywhere. And um, I simply just, you know, make a game, start small. Like I'm, even right now, I'm going back to, I'm just making a little jumper game for, for a mobile phone. That's all I'm doing. Yep. That, that is actually one of my next questions and a big, kind of a big sticking point, kind of a big wall for me personally. How do you come up with project ideas? Like, you know, and in a way that you're kind of not doing the same thing over and over again. So, because um, I suck at coming up with projects. Great question. Um, so, most people would say, okay, so you need to do a healthy balance of play games, of course, because we're in that age where every idea. Oh, no, we lost. Huh? Can you guys hear me? Okay, you're back. Yeah. All right, sweet. Sorry. Um, we're in, sorry, I was saying, we're in, the, we're in an age where every idea is sort of an amalgamation of every other idea. So play games, but also do literally anything else. Um, listen to music, go exploring, travel. Um, like, get, get, just get outside of your normal environment. Because as creators, as artists, inspiration tends to come to us when we are the most relaxed. So like, you guys, you guys know the whole, you guys know the whole concept of shower thoughts, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Game ideas, tend, game ideas, and project ideas naturally tend to come when we are most relaxed. So find a way outside of playing games, right, to relax yourself. Anything to anything to keep yourself in that relaxed state. Um, 
Kevin, have you heard well, of the Seattle Indie Adventure meetups? Yeah, I I actually have. <laughs> I'm actually looking into. You should like advertise your day trip there. Like, hey, anybody want to go to this day with me? <laughs> That's a good. So, thank you. For those of you who don't know this, the someone in the Seattle Indies community uh, started a series of adventure meetups where the idea is to just do non-work related stuff together. Right. <laughs> like last year, we all went sledding, uh, snow tubing actually. And this year, Ooh. they have a uh, what is it? A horse ride like a horseback riding thing yeah <laughs> no it's like a horse in a carriage in the snow kind of thing it's oh it's right 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 they, so they've also so been to the aquarium and all that so literally just do literally anything else um to get outside of your environment and honestly the fact that you do anything else like any other for me with music that does make you more desirable as a candidate for job because I, I know this was actually this was sent out recently there was a i don't know if you saw it livio the business article for uh with shigeru miyamoto <laughs> yes um saying uh, that they I don't hire gamers on oh yeah that's right you were the one who posted it yeah uh there was an article that went out recently where uh shigeru miyamoto said that they don't hire gamers which i get i get where he was coming from they don't hire people who just play games because of the exact point that you uh that you speculated or that you uh gave rob hmm. um but um, at least for their senior positions right but um they hire people that you know play games and do other things <laughs> yeah like uh, i i mean going back to kind of what you were saying about shower thoughts for me oddly enough it's it, it I, I do have some of those where i'm like just reading a book or or you know watching netflix and my brain's there but it's not really on that it's just there um but most of mine tend to come when i'm rock climbing um I have, there's a rock oh. climbing uh not that far from me and while it's physically taxing, you know, when you've been doing it for, you know, six years, you know, or even like, you know, for those of you who don't rock climb, rock climbing is complex, but it's also very simple. Right. It's simple because once you get the moves down, once you understand how your body moves, you don't really have to think. So you just you just execute, and that's kind of you know what I do when I'm, I'm rock climbing. You know, I let my mind wander to other things, um, and it helps. Yeah, I've heard people say similar things about exercise in general. How they find it, yeah, like mentally relaxing. Right. Um, I go to the gym every. I go to the gym every uh, because of that same reason. Um, it gets me in a relaxed state. Um, it can do so much for your mental health. <laughs> right, that too. Yeah. Even though um, it's exercise for your physical health. <laughs> let's see, there's another thing. Um, write everything. So, I was just about to ask. It's like, what do you think write, of blogging? <laughs> write everything. Um, and and I mean, uh, what I mean by write everything is like, in my bedroom right now, I have like, five different tiny notebooks of graph paper. <laughs> graph paper is my best friend. Graph paper and a pencil is my best friend. Mm -hmm. So I write every idea that I have down, no matter how stupid or how ridiculous it sounds. Um, because, that could, because that's a potential, that could be a potentially good idea. Um, I've often said that good ideas usually start out as bad ideas at first. <laughs> yeah. And then they're eventually good. Um, so. Cool. Damn, that's, that's a lot to take in. This is. I hope I'm, I really do hope I'm helping you.
No, it's been another informative uh, AMA. Yeah, I wanted to say a little thing about QA roles. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Um, I actually met at JC last year uh, someone who was a QA lead, and I talked to him a bit about, I'm like, well, I feel like everyone in the industry talks about QA like a, a stepping stone job, not necessarily a job people actually want. And this guy, he had been working in QA for, like, I don't know how many years, like 20 years or something. And he was like tired of that perspective and like, oh, I wish people would just think Honestly, of QA. I am too. Yeah, like to just think of QA as like a real job and actually try to enjoy it as opposed to getting uh, impatient and like expecting it to be a stepping stone. It's like, like Kaelin said, it's becoming less of a stepping stone these days. And yeah, so I don't want to discourage, career. yeah, I don't want to discourage people from thinking of that as a possible career option or at least a job that they might enjoy for a little while. Um, but I like just the idea of like, uh, one one empowering way that he spoke about his job is that he sees it as it's literally quality assurance. Like, yeah, you're yeah. hunting bugs and stuff, but all these little things have a big impact on the player's experience. And if you care about making a good game, that's the kind of grunt work that makes the game good. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And like, like people get excited about the, the being the idea person coming up with the ideas. But there's a lot of professionalism and that doesn't in... exist, by the way. The idea person has never existed. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't exist. Yeah, and like that's the, that's like the the first thing anyone who wants to become a game designer learns is that the, being the idea person isn't a real job. Like you Can are expected to do real grunt work of solving individual design problems and communicating with the team and following the process the entire way through. Uh, but the, put a pin in that because I yeah. do want to talk about how we got to this point in the industry. Because <laughs> I know it's my little crackpot theory, but I do have a pretty good theory of how we got here. Uh, here being like where you know people are like, oh, you know, I want to be in the games industry. I have tons of ideas. You know, um, <laughs> it's and as you guys know, it's been pervasive. I'm sure we all started out as that. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, you, you think of an idea, and you're like, I want. I want this idea to exist. How do I do that? I guess I gotta become a game designer who decides the ideas. <laughs> it's like a very normal flow of thought. Well, that's, I mean, that's when you, that's when you know. I'm talking about before you launch into your career as a game designer. Like when you're like, let's say you're like 10 and you're like, I wanna make video games. And like, you don't know how, but you're just like, I have all these ideas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So back when I was growing up, back when we were all growing up, really. Um, G4 was a thing, and a lot of commercials on there had to do with game. <laughs> Does anyone remember those really bad game college commercials? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Tweak the sounds of level three, man. Um, <laughs> oh, God, I get all this. <laughs> so my little crackpot theory is that um, games industry people saw that commercial and thought this is really ridiculous. But everyone else saw the commercials and thought, oh, this is legitimately how to do it. And unfortunately, uh, after you know, those commercials aired, people began believing that all people do in the games industry is just come up with ideas and play video games. And that's been, it's been this weird, pervasive thing that no one's ever really talked about. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure we've all been there. You know, we've had uh, the instance of where we're playing a game. And someone older than us is like, hey, stop wasting your time playing a damn game. 
Right. And they've done that. And yeah, and that's, that's the thing. And I think that's even till this day, you know, with the explosion and in, in kind of rhetoric about the game industry and how it actually functions, people still see it as a waste of time. Yeah. It's a shame. And that's, and that's really true for a lot of professions too. I've spoken with a lot of friends who love to draw and right. their families yeah. tell them drawing, you can't make money by drawing pictures. You have to like go study medicine or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, they're just unaware or that there's like an entire like multi-million dollar animation industry and like the games industry hires a lot of artists for so many things, not just animation, yeah. but static yeah. art as well. Yep. One yeah. of the things, <laughs> one of the, to speak to, to, to uh, piggyback off the things that I actually have to do, um, one of the things that I had to do to get funding in college to like, you know, take classes was that um, I actually had to, I had to prove to a government agency that the games industry actually exists <laughs> um, because they did not actually believe that the industry existed, even though, you know, there are video games everywhere. So I had to do a ton of research. I had to, I quizzed like everybody. I sent out a survey and basically slack, uh, smacked them across the face with as much data as I could find. <laughs> Probably cited the IGDA a lot. Yeah, I did. So like, hey, here's the, here's the, the games industry exists. Here's this job position. Here's how much it makes. Here's, here's literally all the people I know who take, who do this job for a living. So. And actually to kind of rewind and go back to, to the jobs aspect. Um, I think the reason why people view QA as kind of a stepping stone, even to this day, I think it's because it's overshadowed by, I guess, the perceived prestige of being that programmer or that designer um, in terms of like title, but also probably in terms of pay. Because I'm pretty sure there is a huge pay disparity between programmers and quality assurance guys. There is. Yeah, and then and then you add like seniority and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's a really a shame because I mean Olivia, you you hit it you know on the head, you know the QA team are kind of the last, you know the last bastion before your game gets shipped with the bugs it's going to get shipped. It it kind of they kind of determine whether your game gets shipped with a thousand bugs or a hundred. And that can honestly be the difference between a great title and a title people hate. Yeah, or a title people love to hate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, damn. That was eye-opening. Um, looks like we're at our time. I'm, yeah. There are people pacing the meeting room, so i got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah say, hopefully you, you get to grab some more, Trent. Um, I hope this guy. I hope this talk has actually been a for you guys. I'm, I'm super excited to actually have this chance. Um, ha- have I actually helped anyone here? Like, I just want to know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, kind of. Uh, let's see how I'm gonna put this. It's rekindled that fire to continue because, you know, with with the, the end of the year, uh, having passed, I was kind of in a place where I was like, ah, I thought I'd be further along but I'm not so it's kind of reminded me that it's persistence gotta kind of just stick it out sometimes yeah um EMP is typing something um um before I guess we end this whole stream um I do want to leave you guys with some parting words um 
Yes. Oh god. Oh god. I wish I'd written them down. <laughs> I do want to leave you guys with. I do want to leave you guys with some words though. <laughs> um. Stay true to who you are, as cheesy as that sounds. And most importantly, find happiness. Um, this industry is extremely competitive. And as much as I hate to say it, it's extremely soul sucking. It's really easy to get into the grind and, not, and forget why you're actually in the industry in the first place. Um, try to find that happiness, try to find that comfort and strive to be a better version of yourself rather than striving to be you know what a recruiter wants you to be um a lot of people in game design say find the fun find the right. fun in your career too <laughs> right so like right now with my job i'm not even in the games industry but i honestly enjoy where i'm at because all of the skills that i'm learning here as a development support engineer help make help me better make sorry words they help me make projects more efficiently so like here i'm learning actual c sharp as opposed to working in a studio learning unity c sharp like yeah. every every try to relate every career you go down uh, every career you take or every job you have to uh your career try to figure out a way to make to sell it to a recruiter it's 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 just a little tip for me going down the unconventional but everything tends to happen for a reason and if you really if you really flex it hard enough everything can be related to game design or, or you know design in general to be honest right also um i don't know if you guys know this but at least give the book of give the book of lenses a, a glance <laughs> which one give uh give the art of game design a book of it's a book oh, by just i, I love that book everyone it's a, it's a book it. Yeah, it's a book by Jess Shell. It's basically become a game design Bible. Um, I'll post the link to it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yes, please. So actually, wait. So other parting words. Some libraries before, would have it. Quick, books before we go. Um, Jess Shell, uh, the, the Art of Game Design, A Book of Lenses. Um, it's, it's really brilliant. It reads just like having a conversation with It's amazing. Um, Fundamentals of Game Mechanics and Advanced Game Mechanics. Those are the ones I've read. Uh, Game design a theory of fun, and look into works by Jesper Yule, and I'll and I'll type that out. It's it's uh it's spelled Jesper Jule, but look into works by Jesper Yule by Jesper Yule, excuse me. Um, specifically look at, I think the book's called. I think the book's I can't remember, but it's a book on online world. I'll, I'll post the link in chat with it. Um, but those are my parting words. And I'm really glad I've had the chance to speak with you guys over voice. Uh, I know this is a rather unique opportunity, <laughs> but I, I hope I have helped you guys. I hope this is as cathartic for you as it is for me. It was. This Thank you so much. For sure. And, you know, just I'm not sure about the other game developer. Just because it's over here doesn't mean I'm not going to you know, disappear suddenly. I'm in the I'm in this group now. So if you guys need to ask me anything, ping me. Um, I'll try my best to answer within uh, within time. You know, I've got mm -hmm. a job. So. Mm -hmm.